Hello, and welcome to our podcast, Where the Dark Corners Are. hostess tonight we have a serial killers with sierra yeah episode (laughs) so as my listeners know Mm -hmm. and previous episode in november i took a trip to well i went i went on a cruise but our close enough our port of called aboard Mm -hmm. was San Juan, Puerto Rico. Oh. And we didn't leave the old part of San Juan, mm-hmm. primarily because we were only there for like two and a half days. Yeah. And it was enough for us. I mean, we didn't really want to leave the area. And we learned a lot. We did a couple of tours. Yeah. And visited a lot of the haunted hot spots in old San Juan. Ooh. And... You know, that was, it was all right. I don't remember if I said this before, but I do not recommend going there in November. One of my unusual memories was I recommended wearing safe and sound shoes Mm -hmm. simply because the last thing you want is to your feet to get injured far away from home on a trip. Yeah, for sure. Puerto Rico is not a foreign country. It's a territory of the United States, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't matter. You you're still, not, you, you're still not at home. Correct. <laughs> and you spent all this money to be there. You don't want an injury, especially yeah. in the beginning of your trip. But my point is, is that my feet were sweating. Ugh. And I've never had that experience in my life. Lucky. I mean, I've... I And, and it was funny because just as I was complaining about my feet sweating in my tennis shoes, mm-hmm. this lady who was wearing sandals... And a totally unrelated conversation as we yeah. were passing her, she was like, oh, my God, my feet are melting. And she was wearing sandals. <laughs> so that should tell you how hot and humid it was. Yeah. I was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. So, and, you know, we're from Northern California. Mm-hmm. We don't have humidity. It's just no. not a thing here. Not. So that did not help my scenario either. Yeah, I don't imagine. So, but to close out our trip with... Puerto Rico, we have a... A very interesting case. The Cerro Maravilla murders. Okay, it's so... I'm assuming this is somewhere in Puerto Rico. Yes, it's a mountain, I believe. Okay. And I'm going to apologize in in advance. My pronunciation's probably going to be ass. Well, they get get that from me all the time, though. That's fair. So at least it's not just me. So, these murders are also known as the Cerro Maravilla Massacre. Okay. It occurred on July 25th, 1978, at Cerro Maravilla, a mountain in Ponce, Puerto Rico. Two young Puerto Rican pro-independent activists, Carlos Enrique Soto Aravi, aged 18, 
and Amaldo Dario Rosado Torres, age 24, were murdered in a Puerto Rican police ambush. Oh. The event sparked a series of political controversies where, in the end, the police officers were found guilty of murder and several high-ranking local government officials were accused of planning and or covering up the incident. So why were these two murdered? So, first, we're going to give you some uh, background information on the two. Okay. Carlos Enrique Soto Aravi was born on December 8, 1959, in San Juan. His parents were Pedro Juan Soto, one of the most admired Puerto Rican novelists in the 20th century, and Rosa Aravi. He was the middle of three children. His older brother was Roberto Alfonso. Younger brother was Juan Manuel. As a student, he enjoyed literature. He also wrote stories and went on to win second place in a competition held by the Puerto Rico Government of Education. When his parents went to Europe to finish their doctoral studies, he learned to speak French in a year. Oh, that's impressive. Very impressive. Upon returning from Europe, he enrolled at the Escuela Superior República de Colombia, a high school in Rio Pederas, although at a lower grade because the school officials did not want to credit his years of overseas study. How nice of them. Although Soto Aravi was interested in social issues from a young age, his political activism started when he joined the pro-independence group in high school. Ronaldo Dario Rosado Torres was born on November 23, 1953, in Old San Juan. His parents were Pablo Rosado and Juana Torres Amat. Rosado Torres finished his high school studies and went to work at a cracker factory. He was married to Angela Rivera and had a son named Manuel Lenin Rosado Rivera. From a very young age, Rosado Torres identified with the cause of Puerto Rico's independence. He joined the Socialist League in, with which he participated in several activities. Rosado Torres was a self-educated and an avid reader of various kinds of literature, especially those related to the political processions of Puerto Rico and Latin America. He also wrote poems, essays, and had several pen pals throughout Latin America. Okay. Now that you've got some background, let's get into the incident. Around noon on July 25th, 1978, Soto Aravi and Rosado Torres, along with an undercover police officer, Alejandro Gonzalez Malav, posing as a fellow armed revolutionary movement member, took taxi driver Julio Ortoez Molina hostage and ordered him to drive them to Cerro Maravilla, where several communication towers were located. Their original plan was to take control of the towers and to read a manifesto protesting the imprisonment of Puerto Rican nationalists convicted in the 1950 assassination attempt on U.S. President Harry S. Truman, and the 1954 United States Capitol shooting incident where five members of Congress were injured. Police officers were alerted of their plan prior to their arrival, and the activists were ambushed and shot. The undercover agent received a minor bullet wound during the shooting, while the taxi driver was left relatively unharmed. So the, the undercover cop obviously mm-hmm. infiltrated and alerted law enforcement. Yep, but it was a terrorist organization. Okay. The morning after the shootings, the officers argued that they acted in self-defense, stating that they ordered Soto Aravi and Rosado Torres to get on the ground, at which time they started shooting at them and the officers returned fire. Did they have weapons on them? Nope. Okay, that's a problem. Yeah. Initially, the taxi driver said he was under the dashboard of his cab when the shooting started and could not see who shot first. However, he contradicted his statement just a few days later. In an interview with the San Juan Star, a local newspaper, stating that he ducked under the dashboard after the three men, Soto Aravi, Rosado Torres, and the undercover cop, left his car, and he saw ten heavily armed men approaching. Well, as the taxi driver, did he see any weapons? Nope. Exactly. Mm-hmm. When he emerged from the car, he saw the three men alive, and two of them were being beaten by the armed men. 
who were later identified as police. Then-Governor Barcelo praised the officers in a televised address by calling them heroic, stating that they had acted in self-defense and stopped a terrorist attack. These people obviously don't know the definition of a terrorist attack. Absolutely not. I mean, I'm not suggesting I'm okay with any assassination attempts on a U.S. uh, government or president. I'm not suggesting that at all. But they were literally going to go read a manifesto. They weren't trying to, like, hurt anybody. Correct. They weren't trying to... They weren't armed, and they weren't dangerous. No. This is motherfucking overkill is what it is. Exactly. Two days later, in a follow-up interview with the WAPA-TV news reporter, Enrique Cruz, the taxi driver stated that when the first shooting occurred, he heard one of the three passengers shout, I'm an agent. Don't shoot me. I'm an agent. While the others called for help and shouted, I give up. I give up. So they, they surrendered on yeah. top of not having any weapons. Yeah. And the cops were trying to say that, They told them to get down, and then they started shooting. Yeah. Okay. The taxi driver was ordered at gunpoint to exit the vehicle. He was extracted by an agent, kicked, and then taken away from the scene. While he was being escorted away, he saw the two activists directly in front of his cab being beaten by the armed men. So they were still alive when he was... When he was taken away. So he couldn't be a witness to what happens next. Mm Mm-hmm. Facing public pressure due to the taxi driver's conflicting statements, Governor Barcelo ordered two separate investigations by the PR Justice Department, in addition to ongoing standard police investigations. Um, conflict of interest must? Right. First you go and, and you know, say, these are our heroes. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, well, maybe we should investigate this. Yeah. No, yeah. fucker, we already know what side you're on. Right. All of the investigations concluded that the officers' actions were free of any wrongdoing, despite various inconsistencies in their stories. Jesus Christ. Yes. Puerto Rico District Attorney Pedro Colton informed reporters that on July 29th, four days after the incident, the PR department's investigation revealed no massacre, no beatings, and no aggressions except for the shootings that occurred. The coroner? So now the coroner's a fucking liar? Yeah, no, the district attorney. The, oh, well, Jesus. Which is even worse. Right. The person who swore to uphold justice and seek justice. Absolutely. Especially for the voiceless. Mm-hmm. Oh, it gets worse. Opposing political parties, mainly the popular Democratic Party, insisted that the investigations were just cover-ups and demanded that a special independent prosecutor be assigned to investigate. Two special investigations by the U.S. Department's Civil Rights Division and by the U.S. FBI were performed on separate occasions between 1978 and 1980 which confirmed the conclusions that the officers had acted in self-defense. Oh, my God. What the the fuck, America? The corruption goes deep. Yes. In the November 1980 general elections, Governor Barcelo was re-elected by a margin of 3,503 votes, one of the closest elections in Puerto Rico history, though his party lost control of the state legislature to the main opposition party. This loss was attributed by the New York Times to the surrounding controversy regarding the investigations at the time. Other news organizations, such as Time Magazine, attributed the loss to Governor Barcelo's stance on the island's political status. Bullshit. Mm-hmm. The legislator quickly started new inquiries and hearings into the Cerro Maravilla incident. The Senate, then presided by Miguel Hernandez Augusto, spearheaded the investigations by naming former Assistant District Attorney Hector Cruz to investigate. The second set of investigations performed between 1981 and 1984 by the legislator, the U.S. Department of Justice, and the local press uncovered a plot to assassinate the activist and possible, though not conclusive, conspiracy to cover up those actions. I'm not sure how clear this gets. How, how much more clear this needs to be to be obvious. Correct. Correct. It's nuts. 
It's so nuts. During interviews of the Senate Investigations Committee in 1983, Officer Miguel Cartera Flores, a detective in the Intelligence Division of the Puerto Rico Police Department, testified, When I arrived at the scene, I saw four police officers aiming their guns at the two activists who were kneeling before them. I turned my eyes away and heard five gunshots. Okay, no one's buying this bullshit. Right. Let's just try that. Let's mm-hmm. just say that out loud. Mm-hmm. Flores, who was offered immunity for his testimony, added that several hours before the shootings, he and other officers were told by Colonel Angel Perez Caselas, commander of the intelligence division, that these terrorists should not come down the mountain alive. You know what I fucking love? Mm. I think they were advocating for Puerto Rico to be its own yeah. country. Yep. They wanted independence from the U.S. Okay. And that's all they're advocating. Yeah. They're not pushing for violence. Nope. They're not suggesting that they kill people. Yeah. They just want Puerto Rico independence. But the KKK, which has been around since... Forever, basically. I think the 1850s? Mm Mm-hmm. Nothing. Yeah. They just do whatever they want, basically. This is fucking bullshit. It's extreme bullshit. I was very mad while I was researching this case. I mean, these aren't gun-toting people. No. And all they wanted to, and I'm not suggesting any people should be doing this. Exactly. We're just going to read, you know, this is why I feel our home should be its own country. Yeah. Was there anything in the manifest that suggested violence or taking up arms against the government? Nope. The manifesto basically was saying that these people should not have been arrested and that we should be independent from the U.S. That was basically it. This is bullshit. It's extreme bullshit. And then the United States decides to get their fucking hands dirty. Mm-hmm. And, oh, no, nothing happened. It's It was totally self-defense. It's bullshit. His testimony was corroborated by Officer Carmelo Cruz, who, although he did not witness the fatal shooting, confirmed many details provided by Flores when also granted immunity. Other inquiries obtained similar testimony from witnesses, including the taxi driver, who now stated that the activists were alive and disarmed when the police removed him from the scene. Oh, and my guess is his family and him mm-hmm. were threatened. Oh, I wouldn't doubt it. The taxi driver stated that there was a short exchange of gunfire, and when he was moved from one place from an, uh, to another place nearby, he heard a second volley of gunfire, but was asked by the police and investigators in the PR Justice Department to forget about the second round of shots. <laughs> this is such bullshit. <laughs> Ugh, I'm telling you, the entire time I was researching this, I was like almost breaking my pen in my hand because I was getting so mad about it. It's ridiculous. The statement regarding two different volleys of shots was upheld by various people, including ex-officer Jesus Quinares, who quit the force shortly after the shootings, before a federal grand jury, and three other civilian witnesses in San Juan Star interview. So how many fucking people were there? There was ten officers the undercover agent, the taxi driver, and the two activists. So just for jollies, mm-hmm. did they at least pretend that there were fucking bullets that they've recovered as uh, in, in their story of there was a fire exchange? You know, I never found anything that said that. Okay. Consequently, the legislator and the local press started questioning the actions of the Puerto Rico Police, the Puerto Rico Justice Department, the U.S. Justice Department, and the FBI's actions during the first round of investigations. As they should have. Alleging corruption within the agencies and a conspiracy to cover up evidence. You fucking think? Mm. Mm. 
Letters were sent by various community and political leaders to then-Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Senator Edward M. Kennedy, asking for an inquiry into the conduct of the federal investigations. Several letters even accused former U.S. Attorney General Benjamin R. Civility of providing aid to Governor Barcelo during the investigations. Two leaders from opposing parties allege that after a December 1979 meeting between the two, the governor, then considered a lifelong Republican, began campaigning to deliver the 41 Democratic Party convention votes of the island for President Jimmy Carter's nomination for the presidency. Almost 45 days after Carter won the nomination by only one delegate, the U.S. Justice Department announced that due to lack of evidence, it was bringing its investigation of the case to an end. Oh my God. <laughs> lack of evidence? Yep. And it was only after Puerto Rico's votes went towards... Carter. Mm-hmm. Well, his nomination, yeah. Right, 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 right. Yeah. This is such horseshit. It's <laughs> unreal. Oh, it's ridiculous. A Justice Department internal memorandum later proved that the investigations were closed even when agents were still investigating important evidence of the case that could potentially incriminate the officers, including several unexplained contusions on one of the victim's faces and the fact that one of the police officers recanted his original story, stating that there was, in fact, two bursts of firing. But there's no evidence, So they're right? like, yeah, there's bruises on his face. Yeah, we don't know how he got it there, but... Yeah, no, we're closing this case due to lack of evidence, but there's still all this in evidence that they're investigating. Right. That yeah. contradicts... Oh, yeah. ...their version... Their version of, of the, the truth. truth. These and several other accusations brought public and political pressure to the investigating agencies. This led to internal revisions of evidence and procedures from the first investigations, both at a local and federal level, though all organizations still ad adamantly denied any cover-up. The second investigations led to reassignments, demotions, resignations among top officials within the PR Justice Department, including three different PR secretaries of justice accepting and resigning their posts in the span of six months. Dirty as hell. November 29th, 1983, three prosecutors were relieved of their duties after a report by the State Senate Investigations Committee found that they had failed to properly investigate the Sarah Marvilla shootings. Oh, you think? Citing 101 specific deficiencies within the two investigations. But, again, that's just three yeah. out of... However many people are involved. Correct. Who swore to uphold the law. 101. In pursuant of justice. Yeah, it's... Truth and justice. No. <sighs> This was the third state attorney general to oversee the investigation since the shootings had occurred in 1978. So now we're going to get into a little bit of the aftermath. The second investigations led to 10 officers being indicted and found guilty of perjury, destruction of evidence, and obstruction of justice. Just 10? Because this is the 10 involved. But there were others. Well, yeah, but these were the 10 that were up on the mountain. That, that pulled, the, pulled the trigger. Yes. Okay. Four of them were convicted of second-degree murder in 1984. The convicted officers who are no longer on active duty and their status with the Puerto Rico police are Colonel Angel Perez Castellas, he is suspended. Lieutenant Nelson Gonzalez Perez, resigned. Lieutenant Jamie Quinlez Hernandez, suspended. Officer Juan Bruno Gonzalez, suspended. Officer William Colin Barreros, suspended. Officer Nazaro Meto Espada, suspended. Officer Rafael Monroe Morales, suspended. Officer Luis Reveron Martinez, on disability leave. Officer Jose Rios Palenco, suspended. And Officer Rafael Torres Mario, on disability leave. So the one that was on disability leave, did his trigger finger get hurt? Is that what happened? Well, disability leave, they still get paid. This, uh, yeah, it's stupid. Disgusting. Mm-hmm. 
No, the ones that were suspended, mm-hmm. were they then re in? They're still technically considered suspended years later. Okay. That same year, in the general elections held in November, Marcelo lost against former governor and opposing party rival Rafael Hernandez Colon. It is widely accepted that Marcelo lost the elections because of this case, since his public opinion rating had deteriorated substantially during late 1984, as the investigations progressed and since his political rivals used his defense of the officers as indication of a possible conspiracy. As they should have. Mm-hmm. Alejandro Gonzalez Malave. The undercover agent was not indicted for his part in the slayings because he was granted immunity for testifying against the other officers, but was removed from the police force due to public pressure. In February of 1986, he was acquitted of kidnapping the taxi driver. His lawyer had argued that he was acting under orders, and therefore, it was the government who was actually guilty of the kidnapping. Okay. Yeah. All right. This was despite testimony presented by Officer Carmelo Cruz, who had testified that it was Malave who recklessly endangered the hostages' lives. Uh, prosecution had provided evidence that he threatened the hostage at gunpoint, drove the car, and when the car had approached the mountaintop, refused to free the hostage despite suggestions from Soto Aravi and Rosando Torres. So it was the undercover cop that kept the taxi driver there. The two activists said to let him go. These actions, according to Officer Cruz, were contrary to the standard police procedures since his primary concern should have been the safety of the hostage. Nevertheless, the Puerto Rico Police Department did not reinstate Malavez at an active officer, a fact that he publicly expressed resentment over, and subsequently threatened to provide incriminating evidence to the media about other individuals involved in the shootings unless he was reinstated. Wow. If you bitches don't give me my job back, I'm going to rat you fuckers out. Yeah. Okay. You know, like, why wouldn't you just want to rat them out anyway? Get them all in trouble. Hello? Yes. Right. And how much do you think people are actually going to trust you if you blackmail people to get your job back? Right. I would not want some, the- some motherfuckers thinking with his not brain. Yeah, thinking with his wallet. I would not want a police officer like that on the force. Hell no. no. Hell no. On the evening of April 29th, just two months after his acquittal, Malave was assassinated in front of his mother's house in Bayamon. Oh. What a shame. So sad. Oh. <laughs> Fuck no. He sustained three gunshot wounds and his mother was slightly injured. A few hours later, a group calling themselves the Volunteer Organization for the Revolution called local news agencies, claiming responsibility. Well, what do you want? Right? You kill these people, mm-hmm. and the cover-up runs so motherfucking deep. Exactly. You got cops publicizing their blackmailing willingness. Right? What the hell? In their statements, they swore to kill one by one all police officers involved in the deaths in the Sierra Mar- Maravilla. Again, we're not promoting violence No, absolutely not. The FBI considered it to be one of the most dangerous terrorist organizations in the U.S. at the time. Of course they do. Given that it was the same organization that claimed responsibility for an attack on a Navy bus in Puerto Rico on December 3rd, 1979, in which two Navy men were killed and ten people were injured, and the attack on a U.S. National Guard base on January 12th, 1981, in which six fighter jets were destroyed. So we're taking the FBI's word that they claimed it? Yeah. Supposedly. Well, that's my point. So they already lied. Yep. About what really happened. And then we're supposed to take their word. Right. Yeah. Fuck mm-hmm. that. To this day, no one has been identified as a possible suspect in Malav's murder, and the case remains unsolved. Bye, Felicia. In 1992, former U.S. Justice Department Civil Rights Division Chief Drew S. Days III admitted before the PR Senate that the U.S. Justice Department and the FBI acted negligently during the 1978-1980 investigations of the Caramara Villa incident, 
such as rejecting interviews with key witnesses, including the taxi driver, refusing to offer immunity to certain witnesses, and avoiding various standard investigating tasks. So basically... We half-ass this bullshit. And they're like the duty. Yep. Yeah. And then the FBI has their fucking nerve to turn around and start pointing fingers like you're the fucking terrorist? Right. No. Day stated, I think that certainly an apology is justified with respect to the way that the federal government handled its investigation. The FBI, the Justice Department, and my division. It has not done in the professional way that it should have been done. FBI Director William S. Sessions had made similar concessions in a written statement in 1990, stating, In hindsight, the eyewitness should have been interviewed and a civil rights investigation initiated. You think? Mm. A little too late. Hmm. 2003, 25 years after the incident, former Governor Barcelo admitted in a public radio interview that it was an error of judgment and a premature declaration to laud the police officers, since at the time he believed that they were telling the truth. However, he has publicly denied any wrongdoings regarding the alleged cover-up during the first investigation. Still trying to sell bullshit. Mm-hmm. Since the conclusion of the final investigations, there has been heated debate about the Sarah Maravilla incident in Puerto Rico, with some groups arguing that there was still others responsible for planning and or ordering the plot to kill Sorto Aravi and Rosado Torres, as well as a subsequent cover-up, while others have argued that the incident was exaggerated by rival politicians and the media, maintaining that no conspiracy ever took place, and that some of the officers incarcerated, though not all, are actually innocent. Yeah. That's not, disgusting. Not going with that group. No. You know, here again, one of the things that was very obvious when I was in Puerto Rico, and we're talking 2022, yeah, is they don't see themselves as part of the United States. Mm-hmm. They see themselves as in a colony. Yeah. And that was kind of hard to hear mm-hmm. because, you know, here I'm, I have no political yeah. opinion either way, but to think that or hear the, them feel this wasn't just one person. Yeah. That they're second-class citizens. And, you know, I'm just like, oh, it's a territory of the United States. And they're like, no, we're a colony. And, I mean, obviously, there is something there. Yeah. And, you know, every year they get promised statehood. Or every so often they get promised yeah. statehood. And it doesn't happen. No. For a variety of reasons. Because mm-hmm. then the, the politicians have to come down to Puerto Rico and start lobbying for votes and stuff. Yeah. Which, again, mm-hmm. if they wanted it, it would have been done by now. Oh, absolutely. And they weren't, from what you have shared, mm-hmm. not advocating for violence. Yeah. They were advocating for independence. Yeah. Hmm. Weird. Funny. Almost like the U.S. did that with England. I mean, shit. Yeah. Funny how that fucking happened. Mm. You know, some guy named Thomas Paine put out a pamphlet called Common Sense. Weird. And that fucking took off. Right? Benjamin Franklin penned many letters under uh, anonymous names. Yeah. Voicing independence. Yeah. Did the fucking FBI raid his house? No. Shit. Did the red coat show up? No. No. Was he ambushed by the police? No. No. Or the red coats. Or the red coats or anything else. Was he so, assassinated? No. Right. Murdered? No. So, I, I just, you know, they, they weren't advocating violence, which is, I think, my main concern. Yeah. And the fact that, to this day, the feel mm-hmm. of the Puerto Rican people. Yeah. And 
I don't know what the solution is. Yeah. To a large degree, a lot of people don't understand how much they are reliant of the United States. Yeah, for sure. And it's a hard lesson to learn. Yes. A little too late. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what the solution is. Yeah. But if you swear to hold the Constitution mm-hmm. and its laws, right? that's what you fucking need to do. Exactly. Every year on July 25th, Puerto Rican nationalists, independent activists, and other sympathizers gather atop Ciro Mara Villa to honor Carlos Enrique Soto Arami and Arnaldo Dario Rosado Torres. The mountain has also been christened as El Cerro de los Martes, uh, the Mountain of the Martyrs. Well, at least they're getting a little recognition for the sacrifice. That it, was, it was a hard case to research. And I recognize that this wasn't a ghost story or a serial killer. Yeah. But sometimes, unfortunately, dark places is untold truths. Yes. And, you know, and, you know, while I enjoy doing, like, serial killer stories and I enjoy listening to, like, the other podcast episodes, you know, about different places, ghost stories, whatever... You know, I also believe that we have a responsibility to bring things to light that people may not know about. Right. Like, you know, that's typically why we stick with mostly unheard of serial killers. Right. Otherwise, I mean, we don't have Ted Bundy. Yeah. We don't have Dahmer on our thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, we need to bring attention to, like, the lesser known things. And then, like, you know, with, like, the serial killer cases... Granted, like, you know, I go into, like, their background, whatever, the psychology. But it's also, especially if I have, like, a list of names of the victims, I'll do that list. Yeah, granted, it takes me a little bit longer and the podcast goes on a little bit longer. But I want to bring recognition to the victims. Right. And humanize them. And I think, honestly, that's my problem with, like, because the one, believe it or not, the one recent one that we did Mm -hmm. was Eugene in Hawaii. Yeah. And how the governor... Pardon him. Yes, and he absolutely should not have been. Correct. And that shit bothers me. Mm-hmm. Because if you're a fucking criminal. Yeah. Your ass belongs in jail. Mm-hmm. And you shouldn't be pardoned. No. Especially if you kill, go around killing people. Right. Like, I like to say that most things are forgivable. And they are. Most things are. But there's a limit. Right. But still, again, dark corners do include injustices that mm-hmm. should be brought to light. Exactly. All right. On to business. Facebook, 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 where the dark corners are, has a Facebook page. So if you'd like to see some creepy things, share some creepy things, you know, interact with us. Right. And uh, I think we're going to start doing some surveys and stuff in the future. Yes. But if you have a topic or a serial killer... Mm-hmm. That you would like Sierra to cover, send us an email at where the dark corners are at gmail.com. Dark corners being plural. Final thoughts? This was kind of a downer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, you know, like we did say though, it, this this kind of shit does need to be brought to light. So I'm kind of glad that I had the opportunity to cover this. Okay. Well, thank you. Of course. But until next time, please remember only the few can find the beauty in the darkness, which is where we hope to meet you. Where the dark corners are. <laughs>